Hi, I'm Steve McCoy and welcome to the Raw McCoy podcast, where we explore the wonderful world of natural health to hopefully enlighten you even a little and empower you a whole lot so you can take more control of your health and well-being. And it seemed only fitting really that our first ever podcast episode should feature my great friend and human behaviour specialist Michael Adams, who over the next few weeks will be looking at how whatever's going on inside your head affects your health. And today we're starting with habits and whether we spend most of our time living on autopilot. Hi Mike, it's great to have you here. It's absolutely wonderful to be here. And you know exactly what I'm talking about, Mike, and, and those of you who are listening will, will relate to this, but those moments where we're either walking somewhere or driving somewhere where we didn't intend to, but we're stuck into this, this, this habit of doing that. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of a, a, a story that I have and, and a conversation I had with a, a, a guy in the gym. Jose, I'm sure you won't mind me sharing your story, but Jose is someone who would normally walk to the gym. That's his way of, of getting there, and he always walks. And on this particular day, he had something to do prior to going to the gym, which meant that he needed to drive. So he he drives to the gym and does his workout. He leaves the gym and forgets that he's driven and he walks home. Mm-hmm. But not only does he walk home, he walks home. And because that's his routine, that's his habit, he then goes home and everything is as normal. It's not until... Later that evening, when he needs to drive somewhere, he remembers his car is still at the gym. And now he's got to go back to the gym to pick up the car. So it, it puts me in that, in that moment of really wanting to delve and dig a bit deeper with you, Mike, as to these habits that we have, how they're created. What is it that, 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 that fuels these habits where we are stuck in this, this area of autopilot, really? Well, it's a great example that you, you use there because Jose, that's your friend's that's name. That's right. Yeah. Um, Jose is doing what we all do. Uh, he's operating on autopilot. And basically everything around him, his his habits, are all there to support his behaviour. And so all he was doing was falling in line. He broke routine earlier in the day when by by driving in. But that didn't set up a new set of habits. The moment he walked through the door in the gym, his autopilot took over. And the rest of the day looked like all those other days. And that's exactly what happens to us in everything that we do. There is an autopilot, things we do not have to think about. Mm. You you remember when you uh, started to drive. Mm-hmm. That would have taken up that learning of starting to drive. And let's say something as functional as reversing the car. Sure. It would have taken up loads of your brain power, your capacity to think about that function because you hadn't done it before. Mm -hmm. But now, however many years later, you now get into your car. It's automatic. Yeah, you don't even have to think about Mm -hmm. reversing. In fact, you might not even remember you did reverse Mm -hmm. because... It is now something that the brain requires less energy now to do because it's been stored in, I mean, technically it's in your basal ganglia, but it's in oh, a place sounds in like your... A, sounds like a well, big word there. It's a place at the centre of 
of your brain that, that stores your automatic habits mm-hmm. uh, so that we don't have to think about them, so that we just go into them automatically. And the habits it stores are both the good ones and the bad ones. Okay, I mean, you've, you've broken it down quite succinctly there. And, and I think one of the things that has interested me, and, and similar to yourself, I've always had a, a real interest in human behavior. And one of the things that that I find quite fascinating is is how when people want to stop the habits that they feel do not serve them any longer, the way in which they find that quite difficult. And and actually quite interestingly also is that we have we have some people who are able to stop a habit immediately if they feel it doesn't serve them. And then you've got another set of people who find that it's something that they need to try and do over time. And a friend of mine, his father, who was a smoker, for example, he was watching a TV program a number of years ago where it this program showed the damage that smoke did to the lungs. Mm-hmm. And after watching this program, he never smoked again. That was it. Mm-hmm. Whereas there are people who I know who have for example, lung cancer, and they have been told that if they continue smoking, it really is going to lead to to them dying. And they're in hospitals and they're having oxygen uh, masks over their faces, yet still they're heading outside in the in the smoking zone to continue smoking, even mm-hmm. when they've been told that this will lead to the end of their life. Mm-hmm. I'm really interested to get your, your thoughts and your views on on what are the differences there of those two people and what people can do to increase really their chances of changing those habits that no longer serve them. Well, let's start by stripping back the layers of that and actually the layers that all of us possess as as human beings and recognise that ultimately we are what we Mm prioritise. And ultimately, those people who don't change have prioritised the reward of, let's call it the cigarette, of the behaviour as their main priority. So, And their habit feeds that. The gentleman who made the change all of a sudden was given a choice. He had the choice to keep doing what he's doing or reprioritise. But are they not all given choices? No, do they we are all, not, all given choices. we not choices? all have choices? But, but, but the word is prioritization somebody else may say do you know what i'm going to enjoy this now don't care what happens to me and somewhere in their psyche and in the way that they've been brought up in in their reference points that would be their modus operandi in other things that they do in life so the habits that we create are part of that condition which are fueled by our beliefs what we believe where those beliefs are informed from. And so therefore, when we calculate on a daily basis our interaction, the choices that we make are heavily belief-driven. Mm-hmm. Now, I like the example that you used because you would think it's obvious. But mm, actually... So it seems. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but actually... It's not, because some people may evaluate that decision as, well, I'm sick, 
I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get well, so I might as well do this anyway. So that's in their psyche as to how they evaluate. The other person may say, I'm going to do something about this and I believe I can. So I'm going to stop. Both people are following behaviour patterns that have been substantiated throughout their lives. Okay, let me throw something else into the mix here. I've always felt that the person who has a strong enough why, as in their reason for wanting to, to, to change their habits, mm -hmm. will be the person to make those, those habit changes. What are your thoughts on that? It's really good. Uh, it's a very, very good point. But what we do in, in the world of psychotherapy is get people back to that place because sometimes it's not even a question that they ask themselves. The fact that you've come and, and you've actually said, what's my why? What's my reason? Is sometimes the first step for people to understand how they can change where they're, they're at. But it's a question that's not asked enough because the why is, um, how, how can we put this? Very often when they're asking themselves the why, it's because of the reward. They're not necessarily looking at, I mean, the reward, whether we're talking about smoking or eating um, sweet things mm -hmm. that aren't good for you, the reward is what's prioritised. Mm -hmm. The reward is why they feel that they're doing it. And actually, when you change that why, it's a bit like you're now taking something away from them. Mm -hmm. So the buy-in has to be from from them. But they also need to understand where that programming came from the first place, where that conditioning came in. Why am I making those choices? What is the reward that I sense I'm getting, even though my body is telling me different? Sure. I mean, it, it sounds as if you're also saying that there tends to be a, a lot more focus on the pain of what they feel they are potentially missing out on rather than the pleasure of what they could be achieving by, by making these changes. Absolutely. because and, and I think it's an interesting point because pain and pleasure, and you've heard, this, you've heard people say before, you know, two sides of the same coin. <laughs> absolutely. And... And absolutely, when you get to that place where something being taken away from you, where you're being deprived of something, is viewed as a pain point. They're not viewing it from the point of view of a gain. Mm -hmm. It feels like pain. Yeah. And so therefore, why should I do that? Why should I entertain that? It's, um, as far as they're concerned, that, that, that's not something that has any form of Reward and surely I'm here to enjoy myself. You know, uh, you're being a party pooper otherwise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that could definitely come across. So there's been this 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 figure banded about a number of times, which I've heard. I've got my own my own thoughts and views on it, but I'm really interested in hearing yours. This view of 21 days to change uh, a habit. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's been used by a number of people, particularly in the marketing world as mm -hmm. well, as, as mm -hmm. you're, you're well familiar with. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts there? We're all different. And, and ultimately, um, you just described um, earlier, one of your earlier stories that you uh, talked about was the gentleman who gave up 
smoking immediately. He didn't need 21 days. Mm. He, what was given to him was a trigger that he said that he connected with, that he said, that's reason enough for me to change now. The 21-day cycle has been arrived at because there have been some studies that show, on average, many people change after that period of time. Mm -hmm. But there are also many people who don't, many people who don't make that transition. And so, therefore, it's not a figure that you can hold on to. However, the fact of the matter is that whatever behaviour you have at the moment, current, they've most definitely been conditioned, particularly the ones that you don't think about or have to think about. The walking past, not not, sorry, the not being able to walk past the biscuit tin. (laughs) There are a few of us guilty of that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so those are things where your automatic pilot kicks Mm -hmm. in. Biscuit tin, reward, eat. Mm. That's it. Don't need to think about it. And and it's done. It's only when those things start to be challenged. First, that's where somebody feels like they're being depraved. Mm. Other people may refocus, reframe, and say, actually, I'm rewarding myself in another way. Now, that reward system needs to needs to be built up generally over a period of time to create the new habit, right. the new conditioning, the new belief. Right, so I'm going to come on to that in a moment. So I've, I've got, and, and before I get there, though, there's a question that I've been, um, I've been longing to ask you for a while, and, and it's this. Now, would you say, that there is such a thing as an addictive personality. And depending, obviously, on how you answer that, would that be linked in any way to uh, to habits and the changing of habits, the difficulty to change habits? But but in terms of addictive personalities, what are your thoughts there? Is that something that is, 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 is real? Does it exist? Um... It's really, really interesting. Are some question. people more able to? Are some people more likely to be addicted to uh, to things than others? If if you were to put, uh, uh, you know, if someone was to take, for example, crack cocaine, which we know is meant to be highly addictive, mm-hmm. are there some people who, after taking that that one hit, are likely to then want to have it time and time and time again, as opposed to someone else who would be able to to step away from it? How much do our personalities dictate our, our our level of addiction? Well, our personalities are not detached to the chemical reactions that happen in our body. And what we've got to remember is that when we're introducing, particularly used the, used drugs as an example, mm. um, drugs generally create a chemical reaction in your body. And that chemical reaction can be um, a release of endorphins. It, it, you know, it can... It, it can create that that bodily high and and so therefore you now crave for that high again which is which effectively is an addiction now habit is also addiction because habit is the craving of something on a regular basis it may not be seen in the same light because it's not as obvious as a drug sure but it's still an an addiction and yes there is a correlation to People who go down an addictive route in one sphere also tend to show those patterns in other aspects of their lives. 
those would be the types that you would determine as an addictive type of personality. It's not everybody, but they exist. But what we can't do is what we uh, rather than saying what we can't do, what we need to understand is that we have a lot more control over the chemical reactions of our in our body um, that can produce through habit, good or bad, than we realise. We don't just have to accept it. Right. And with that in mind, you know, we've covered a, a, a few areas here today. But one of the questions, again, that I would have, and I'm sure people who are in this, who find themselves in this situation would be, would be eager to, to hear, would be how, if you find yourself in this situation, do people create and sustain, which is really important, obviously, new habits? And how would you answer that question? How would you be able to, to inform people as to how they, can, how they can create those new habits, how they can sustain those new habits that will, in time, serve them? Well, the first, the first stage is understanding why that habit needs to be replaced. What is, what is the end goal of changing or removing that batter? Because generally when we're talking about habits and, and we're talking about it in the realm that we're talking about it, it's the ones you don't want. Sure. It's the ones you've got that aren't serving mm-hmm. you. Nobody's going to be changing good habits. So, so let's, <laughs> right. let's, 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 yeah, just yeah. Get let's put that, that to one let's side. Let's just yeah. put that to one side and get to yeah. where we understand it needs to mm-hmm. be. It's the habits that I know don't aren't serve serving me, me, but I'm still need doing to go. them. Yeah. So therefore, we need to understand, this is coming back to your early comment, your why. Mm-hmm. why. Why does that need to go? And for some people, it's because I'm fat, because I'm this, because I'm that. Okay, is that enough motivation in its, uh, by itself, you need to ask yourself? The other thing that we've got to do is recognise that patience plays its part here. The fact of the matter is, very often, habit is created over time which means the breaking of habit is created over time, unless the stimulus is such that it's life-threatening. Very often, people who are in life-threatening situations change immediately. But it's also interesting, and it's, it's great that you've, you've touched upon that point, because as you well know, I've, I've worked and coached a number of, of different individuals who had life-threatening conditions. And... When it was recognised that they needed to change a number of the habits in order for them to remain alive, the choice was made that that was too big a step. And actually, many of them chose not to change those habits, even when it was life-threatening. Yeah, and I've seen this as well. And the key word there is belief did they believe they making the change it would make a difference interesting point and very often they don't sure the people who believe by doing this that will happen are the ones who make that change the people who are being asked to make a change that they don't buy into that they don't believe choose not to so now we're talking about really people taking ownership themselves of the situation it's all about ownership sure 
It's all about recognizing where you are on your journey. It's all about recognizing that the sum total of who we all are today with our habits, good or bad, is a, is a direct reflection of what we do each and every day. Okay. And I think that those are some really important points in terms of belief, people taking ownership and understanding that those are fundamental to, to changes being made. And if they're at that point where that is the case, but they still may be struggling in, in certain aspects, the steps that can be that can be taken to uh, to sustain any new habits that are created and and, and an, an example may well be uh, that uh, for example when i want to make when i want to create a new habit i effectively i bolt it on to an existing habit yeah yeah that uh, that i that i'm already yeah. that i'm already doing rather yeah. and so it doesn't actually feel like i'm creating this whole new yeah. habit yeah. It's, it's, it's you know it's, it's bolted you use, onto an existing you use one. a current habit as a trigger that's right as, as a as a loading point that's so right you say, and you recognize when you're in that place the habits kicked in okay i need to do this i need to start reframing or bolt on so that i take a different action than the normal action that i would take absolutely and and my example of that would be uh, i wanted to to start meditating in the morning and in the mornings and and one of the things that i therefore did was uh the moment i got out of bed each morning the first thing that i would do would be to meditate so my trigger was getting, you're, out, getting of out of bed the thing to do is to yeah. is to meditate before anything else and i think i know later in the series we're actually going to cover what we what i call environmental triggers the triggers are. that you yes, put around you that allow you to create new habits and and the, the key to environmental triggers is bolting them on to habits that don't serve you so right. you so, start to change so I, won't, I, won't, I won't i won't let you give away too much there or go into too much about it because that's to come but uh that's fantastic in terms of uh, the information that you've uh, that you've given us you've given us today and and a lot of i think real good nuggets real tips that we can take away with us today mike it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, we look forward to your presence here in the future series of the Raw McCoy podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Raw McCoy podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget that you can subscribe in your podcast app so you never miss a show. And you can also catch up on all our podcasts at therawmccoy.com.